Support comes from Mosby Building Arts, a design-build company committed to remodeling the right way. Visit callmosby.com to get project inspiration for any room of your house. It's Tuesday, September 14th. This is The Gateway. I'm Wayne Pratt. A new book from Pulitzer Prize finalist Carla Power explores some of the reasons why people turn to extremism and join terrorist groups. When you dig down deeply, we, we've got to look for sort of the banality of evil in the Islamist terrorist. St. Louis Public Radio's Jason Rosenbaum talks with Power about her new book in just a few minutes. Missouri lawmakers will have their annual opportunity tomorrow to override vetoes by Governor Mike Parson. St. Louis Public Radio's Sarah Kellogg reports. Parson issued 16 vetoes from the 2021 general legislative session. Four are against policy bills while the remaining apply to appropriations. Senate Majority Leader Caleb Brown says some of the budget vetoes are more likely candidates for an override. The policy bills that got vetoed... I would assume all have uh, probably don't have much much of a, a path to be uh, overridden. I think all of those had you know legitimate reasons why they were vetoed. However, one policy bill that could see an override attempt is the only Senate bill Parson vetoed this session. It would have provided tax relief to businesses affected by the pandemic. Browden says while Senator Andrew Koenig, the bill's sponsor, has expressed interest in overriding the veto, a final decision hasn't been made. I'm Sarah Kellogg, St. Louis Public Radio. Illinois Governor J.B. Pritzker says he will sign a bill designed to move the state to 100 percent renewable energy by 2050. It provides nearly $700 million in ratepayer subsidies to energy company Exelon to keep two of its nuclear power plants open. Senate President Don Harmon says the measure is vital to people throughout Illinois. What we do here affects people's lives and livelihood. The people in Byron don't think this is a game. Their schools, their tax base, their economic existence hinges on what we do here. The Senate approved the bill yesterday, roughly a week after similar action in the House. The University of Missouri system will continue to require masks in classrooms and in other indoor settings at least through October 15th. The Board of Curators has approved a resolution from System President Moon Choi. Newly appointed curator and former Missouri Republican Party Chair Todd Graves proposed a rule change to only require masks for unvaccinated people. But Choi says that is not feasible. It will be nearly impossible to enforce. We have classrooms with 200 students. It would take us 30 minutes to verify that students have been vaccinated who's not been vaccinated. University officials say as of yesterday morning, there were roughly 50 active cases of COVID-19 among students throughout the system. St. Louis County Executive Sam Page is supporting the Biden administration's plan to require many of the country's workers to get the COVID-19 vaccine. The planned rules apply to companies with more than 100 employees. Workers who choose not to get the shots will need to undergo weekly coronavirus testing. Page says unvaccinated people are the biggest hurdle to slowing the spread of the virus. The folks that remain unvaccinated, we want to continue to have a conversation with them, uh, but they really are holding back our our, uh, movement out of this pandemic. St. Louis County health officials say close to half of all residents are fully vaccinated. The Fox Theater will require patrons 12 and older to show proof of COVID-19 vaccination or a negative test. This new rule 
goes into effect October 1st. Face masks and a completed health survey will also be required. It's the most recent entertainment venue in the region to require proof of vaccination, following similar rules by places like Off-Broadway, Red Flag, The Pageant, and Del Mar Hall. The 9-11 attacks changed how the United States reacts to terrorism. But a St. Louis native discovered places throughout the world are taking different paths in rehabilitating people who are enamored with extremism. St. Louis Public Radio's Jason Rosenbaum speaks with Pulitzer Prize finalist Carla Power about her new book, Homeland Security, and how the concept of de-radicalization can play into the current events cycle. After the 9-11 attacks shook America to the core, then-President George W. Bush uttered these words that became the United States' central philosophy toward terrorism. Every nation in every region now has a decision to make. Either you are with us or you are with the terrorists. Even after Bush left office, Democratic and Republican presidents saw the threat of terrorism as a pestilence that needed to be eradicated. And people who participated in terrorist activity were largely seen as shadowy figures as opposed to human beings. But Carla Power found that there are people in programs around the world that seek to de-radicalize individuals drawn to groups like ISIS or causes like neo-Nazism. That's the subject of Power's groundbreaking new book, Homeland Security. 20 years ago, we were all told that, you know, Islamist terrorist was this great existential threat. They are trying to destroy our way of life. They are trying to destroy our civilization. And that was very much the framing of the event. And as I kept talking to more and more people, it occurred to me that when you dig down deeply, we, we've got to look for sort of the banality of evil in the Islamist terrorist. Power traveled all over the world to talk to people who are directly affected by terrorism. For example, I went to Indonesia, where a guy who runs a, a, a local charity that, that helps former jihadis said, oh, come on over, I'm having, I'm having a workshop conference with four generations of jihadis. It'll be great, I'll introduce you to all of them and you can do interviews. What Power discovered was anything but cut and dried. She also found that individuals had very different reasons for turning to extremism. Some people are, you know, do, do come at it from an intellectual or ideological point of view. But the people I interviewed tended to have been, um, victims in some way or groomed by recruiters who were very skilled in, in when it came to, the, to trying to lure people to the Islamic State at figuring out what these people's needs or desires were and trying to make the narrative of the Islamic State fit exactly what they needed. Some countries have much different ways to de-radicalize people than others. She pointed to an example from Denmark, which she glibly described as, quote, the terrorist drop-off center. Former jihadis and people coming back from the, from the Islamic State would literally drop by for coffee to talk to the detectives there who, in their hug-a-terrorist program, as it's called by its critics, 
um, these detectives and policemen would help reintegrate them into Danish society. So helping them find jobs or psychologists or mentors or apartments. Power's book is even more pertinent now, especially with tensions rising domestically over the 2020 election and the spread of COVID-19. She said the pandemic caused a breakdown in social interactions, which may be key to getting people to steer away from dangerous conspiracy theories. I think in times of crisis, people grab at certainties. They grab at fundamentalisms. And if we're not in crisis right now, I don't know what we are. So holding on to beliefs becomes, you know, becomes like a safety blanket. Um, and talking to people who might not can become a dialogue of the deaf. And while power doesn't have all the answers to stamp out people from believing in extreme ideas, opening the lines of communication could be a big first step. I'm Jason Rosenbaum, St. Louis Public Radio. Our Fred Ehrlich edited that report. Shulin Newman is the executive editor of St. Louis Public Radio, a listener-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Music by Ryan McNeely of Adult Fur. A big thanks to Jason Rosenbaum and Eric Schmid for filling in over the past few days. And big thanks as well to at Bobby Stillwell TV on Twitter for his support of this daily podcast and those who host it while I'm away. I'm Wayne Pratt. This has been The Gateway. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association. Missouri produces wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details on the variety of products made in the state are at ChooseWood.com.